Welcome to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with a Sabbath for the land as we pick up in Leviticus, chapter 25, verse 1. And now, with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck. Now, as we get into chapter 25, they were to give the land a Sabbath day's rest, or Sabbath year. They were to plant the land for six years. The seventh year, they were to let the land rest. Really, I like these laws of God. And you got a lot of seven-day holidays spread through the year. And then every seventh year, you just kick back and take the year off. You don't even plant anything in the land. You just let grow up whatever grows up, and you eat that. But God said, if you will do this in the sixth year, I will cause your crops to be so bountiful that I'll give you a three years crop in the sixth year so that it'll carry you through, clear and over until you are harvesting from the eighth year. If you'll just follow this, God said, I'll, I'll, I'll let you have the whole year off. You just eat what grows up wild. But in the sixth year, you'll have a triple crop that'll carry you clear on over to the harvesting of the eighth year. Now, I, I would venture to declare to you that some, what do they call them, agromonists or ag- agrologists or something, one of these guys agron- in the field of agronomy, agronomist, all right, thank you, uh, someday an agronomist is going to come up with a fascinating discovery. That if you just let the, the, let the ground lie in the seventh year, that it has a tremendous regenerative effect upon the land that has a way of coming out in the sixth year that you just have a bumper crop. I'm sure that it is a natural law that God has established. And that if people would follow it, they would find tremendous success. They could actually have a year's vacation every seven years. Now, this is the law that God, we were talking about spiritual laws, and we get to it. God said, now, if you just walk in this, this is what I'm going to do. You'll have plenty. Your vintage will last to the vintage season. I'm sure that they'll discover that the ground would produce much better in the six years And that your overall crops and just growing for six years and letting the thing lie in the seventh year, your overall crop would actually be greater than growing it all seven years. I'm certain that it is true. But you see, people say, but I don't understand how that could work. And and you get a bunch of, you know, egghead scientists who say, oh, there's no way that could work, you know. And, 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 And they put it down but I'm sure it would. It's there. It's a part of the laws that God has established. Farmers could have it so easy, or so much easier. I don't suppose a farmer ever has it easy. I don't think it's easy getting up that early in the morning, but uh, they could have it so much easier the seventh year. 
Just enjoy it, you know. Now, when the people came into the land, they didn't follow this. They were a bunch of smarties, just like you are. <laughs> and so they figured, oh, well, we'll really make it next year, you know. Look at the bumper crop we have this year. Ah, oh, let's plant it, you know, this next year. We'll really go for it. And they were constantly struggling with the land, plagued with drought, overproducing the land so that it was weakening the soil processes, or the, weakening the soil, its fertility. They disobeyed the laws of God. So after 490 years of being in the land, God said, all right, that's it. Every seventh year, the land was to have a rest. You haven't given it any rest since you've come in. This poor land's been worked for 490 years. It never did get its Sabbath. So I'm going to set you over in Babylon for 70 years so that the land can get its Sabbath. And the land is going to get its rest. And it's going to rest for 70 years because you didn't give it its Sabbath. Because in the 490 years, there would have been 70 of these Sabbath year rests. So God gave it the rest anyhow. But the people, look at the benefit they missed of a vacation, a year's vacation every seven years. You know, I like the programs of God. I don't see anything wrong with this at all. I think it's pretty, I think God's pretty generous, really, with man. Seventh year shall be a Sabbath rest. Thou shalt neither sow thy field nor prune your vineyard. Just stay out of it. Just rest. That which grows of its own accord of your harvest, thou shalt not reap. Just leave it there for the poor people, for the servants. Let them come in and let them have it. You know, it, whatever grows on the grape vines or whatever grows on your fruit trees and all, just let it be for the people to come in and take it in the seventh year because God will give you enough, a triple crop in the th sixth year. And then there was to be a, they would count seven Sabbath years, and then the next year, the 50th year, was a special thing. So you got every 50 years, you got two years vacation. And this was the year of Jubilee. A year of real celebration. All debts were canceled. All mortgages were canceled. All the slaves were set free. A year of jubilee every 50 years. And that was equivalent to the Pentecost. You count seven Sabbaths, and the next day, the 50th day, was, was the Pentecost. And so they did it with years. You count seven of the Sabbath year cycles, and then the next year, the 50th year, a special year of Jubilee. The year of Jubilee, he now deals with the laws in regardings to the year of Jubilee, beginning with verse 8. Cause the trumpet of the Jubilee to sound on the 10th day of the seventh month. That was a day that we've already studied. What was the 10th day of the seventh month? Yom Kippur, good. <laughs> and then ye shall hallow the 50th year and proclaim liberty throughout all the land of the inhabitants thereof. A year of jubilee. 
Return every man unto his possession, and return every man unto his family. A jubilee in that fiftieth year be unto you, and ye shall not sow, neither reap that which grows of itself, nor gather the grapes of your vineyard undressed. For it is the jubilee, it shall be holy unto you, and ye shall eat of the increase thereof out of the field. And in the year of jubilee, ye shall return every man unto his possession. And if you sell aught to your neighbor, or, he buys, or you buy something from your neighbor's hand, you shall not oppress one another. According to the number of years after the jubilee, thou shalt buy of thy neighbor. According to the number of years of the fruits, he shall sell unto thee. In other words, you never really bought the land. You leased the land, and the lease would go until the year of jubilee. So you always figured the price by the number of years until the year of jubilee. In other words, if the year of jubilee was 40 years away, you'd have to pay a pretty good piece of cash for the land. But if the year of Jubilee was maybe just three years away, then you always measured the price by the distance to the year of Jubilee because in the year of Jubilee, the land always returned unto the original ownership. And the same was true uh, of, of, the, of the servants. They were to go free. The slaves were to, be go, to go free in that year of Jubilee. The land shall not be sold forever, verse 23, for the land is mine. In other words, you're just, God says the land is mine. You're not to sell it forever. It's my land, for you are strangers and sojourners with me. In other words, you're my guest, God is saying. This land is mine, you're my guest. Now, it's always an interesting thing to me when I go over to the land. I love it because I think, wow, Lord, this is your land and I'm just journeying with you. I'm a sojourner with you. Your land, so I'm just sojourning through your land here. And I love to sojourn through the Lord's land uh, of Israel. It's a fascinating experience. Now, if your brother is poor and he sold away some of his possessions and then his next of kin can redeem it and shall redeem what his brother has sold so that it stays with the family and the various laws of redemption are given to us here in the 25th chapter of Leviticus. These are important laws, for they pertain to us, for we are redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. And this idea of being set free in the seventh year or in the Jubilee year. And if you, if you purchased a slave who was a Jew, he would serve you for six years. The seventh year, he was to be set free. Now, there is that interesting pattern of the six years of servitude, the seventh year being the year of, of, of liberty being set free. And I see it really in the earth. I believe that Adam sold out the possession that God had given to him just about 6,000 years ago. How close to the 6,000 years, nobody really knows. Awfully close now, though. Because we do know that Adam sold out to Satan. If you, if you take the figures of the Bible and add them all up, ages of each person and all, you come to about 4,000 B.C. That Adam 
sinned against God and, and, and gave the earth over to Satan. Now we know that there is a thousand-year period coming of restoration, of a righteous reign of Jesus Christ, of peace and glory upon the earth. Now, I'm excited about that. And to me, there's nothing of doom and gloom but glory to God. The mess is over. <laughs> oh, I'm so excited. What an exciting time to be living. The close of this age. The close of this millennium. The close of this final millennium prior to that glorious seventh millennium, the millennial reign of Christ. And he shall rule and reign for a thousand years upon the earth. He's going to rule and reign forever. A thousand of it will be here upon the earth. And we shall reign with him as kings and priests. Can you imagine that? How close we are. Ooh, it's exciting. I love it. So this whole law of redemption through chapter 25, the redemption of the poor brother by the kinsman redeemer, what a picture of Christ. If a man is unable to redeem himself, his next of kin can move in and redeem it for him. Now, man could not redeem the world himself. So Christ became a man. So he could be next of kin to man. So that he could redeem the earth back unto God. Necessary that he become a man, to become our brother, that he might become our kinsman redeemer. And that which man could not do, Jesus Christ has done. In Revelation chapter 5, when we get into heaven and we're beholding that glorious scene and we see the angel with a scroll, the title deed of the earth, with seven seals, writing within and without, standing there proclaiming, who is worthy to take this scroll and to loose the seals? Here is this whole thing of redemption. Adam forfeited the world over to Satan. It's his possession. He said to Jesus, it's mine. I can give it to whomever I will. Who is able to redeem now the earth? And John began to sub, sob convulsively because no man was found worthy to take the scroll and to loose the seals. That's right. No man can do it. And as John was weeping, the elder said, Weep not, John. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah hath prevailed to take the scroll and loose the seals. And I beheld him as a lamb that had been slaughtered. And he came and he took the scroll out of the right hand of him who sat upon the throne. And as he did, the elders and the cherubim came forth with the golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy is the Lamb to take the scroll and loose the seals. 
for he was slain and hast redeemed us by his blood out of all the nations and tribes, tongues and peoples, and has made us unto our God a kingdom of priests, and we shall reign with him on the earth. Oh, how I long for that day when I'm standing there at the throne of God singing that glorious song of the redeemed and the worthiness of Jesus Christ. So this, this law was put in here for your benefit that you might understand just exactly why Jesus became a man, why it was necessary that he become a man in order that he might be a kinsman redeemer. And so there in chapter 25, you'll find it fascinating in that regards. You might want to look at it more carefully. Chapter 26, again, God establishes the fact that they are to worship him. They are not to have idols or graven images or standing images. Set up any image of stone in the land to bow down to it, for I am the Lord your God. Ye shall keep my Sabbaths and reverence my sanctuary. I am the Lord. Now, God says, if you will walk in my statutes and keep my commandments and do them. Walk, keep, do. Some of the commandments of God involve our walk. Some of them command our actions and some of them uh, are just sort of negatives, the things that we are to keep and to keep from. So God is now laying out, if you will do this, if you will obey, if you will walk, if you'll keep, this is what I'm going to do. God lays out the conditions of blessings. I want to bless you. These are the rules or laws that I have given the laws of prosperity and all, and if you will keep them, this is what's going to happen to you. I will give you rain in due season. The land shall yield her increase. The trees of the field shall yield their fruit. Your threshing shall reach to the vintage. The vintage shall reach to the sowing time, and ye shall eat your bread to the full and dwell in your land safely. So I'm going to just bless you and prosper you in the land. You're going to have plenty of food, Plenty of crops. The seed will last clear over to the sowing time, and you'll eat bread till you're full. Not only that, I will give peace in the land, and ye shall lie down, and none shall make you afraid. Not only that, I will rid the evil beast out of the land, neither shall the sword go through your land. So we'll give you peace in the land lying down, not being afraid, the sword not passing through the land. And ye shall chase your enemies. I'll give you power. And they shall fall before you by the sword. And five of you shall chase a hundred, and a hundred of you shall put 10,000 to flight. Remember the story of Gideon? 300 fellows routed the Midianites, 132,000 of them. And your enemies shall fall before you by the sword. For I will have respect unto you and make you fruitful and multiply you and establish my covenant with you. That verse refers to your children. You're going to have beautiful families, grandchildren. You'll be fruitful and multiply. 
And again the promise of plenty, ye shall eat the old store and bring forth the old because of the new. In other words, your crops will, will last over and you'll, you'll still be eating from last year's crops when you've already harvested this year's. And I will set my tabernacle among you, so God's presence is promised. My soul shall not abhor you. I will walk among you and will be your God, and ye shall be my people. What a beautiful national privilege is offered now to these people. The blessings of God abundantly, peace in the land, power for the people, the posterity being blessed, and beyond all this, God's presence dwelling there in the midst of the people, God walking with them and dwelling with them. What more could any people desire or want? And the only condition is that now that you have my statutes, walk in them. Now that you have my commandments, just keep them. And you'll have all of this. Now these things that God is promising, the prosperity, the peace, the power, these are the things for which men are seeking today. We'll return with more of our verse-by-verse Bible study in the book of Leviticus on our next broadcast as Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible. And we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order Leviticus 25 through 26 when visiting the wordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, that's the wordfortoday.org. For those of you wishing to call, our toll-free number is 1-800-272-WORD, and our office hours are Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Again, that's 1-800-272-9673. If you prefer to write, our mailing address is The Word for Today, P.O. Box 8000, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. And now, on behalf of the Word for Today, we'd like to thank all of you who share in supporting this ministry with your prayers and financial support. And be sure to join us again next time as Pastor Chuck continues his verse-by-verse study through the Bible. That's right here on the next edition of The Word for Today. And now, once again, here's Pastor Chuck. May the Lord bless and give you a beautiful week. May his hand be upon your life, that this will be a week in which you're really in tune, in harmony with him, and that love and and commitment is restored, and and it's just a glorious week of, of thinking of him, worshiping him, serving him, loving him. May God be pleased with you by your commitment and devotion to him in Jesus' name. This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. Do you want to know a great story about gang members, drug addicts, mental patients, society's rejects, and how God turned their lives around to use them mightily? It's all right here in the book Harvest. Join Pastor Chuck Smith as he tells the story of how God transformed the lives of 10 men to reach the world. 
Read the testimonies of Greg Laurie, Raul Reese, Mike McIntosh, John Corson, Skip Heitzig, and others, and see for yourself that if God can use these guys to spread the gospel worldwide, then God can use you too. To read a sneak preview of the book online, visit thewordfortoday.org or call The Word for Today at 800-272-WORD. I want to encourage you to check it out. This just might be the book to change a life of a loved one or even you. Visit thewordfortoday.org.